0: okay okay welcome back to the detroit is different podcast studios and the detroit is different podcast and today i am actually here with somebody that's known my mom for forever and somebody that's very familiar with this place my aunt joyce is in effect she's not on camera and she's not in the interview but she brought one of her best friends miss annie how are you doing today
1: i'm doing fine Okay. glad to be here.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we met through my Aunt Joyce, Joyce Allen, and she's recently moved back to Detroit from Chicago. And she was like, I got a friend, Miss Annie, and I think she'd be great for your podcast. And I was Mm -hmm. like, "Okay, what's uh, what's her story? And then we met. You came to the festival, uh, the Detroit is different festival with her. And then when we really were talking, you have a lot of stories. That yes. go back. That go back.
1: Yeah, ninety seven and a half years back.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and that's another thing. You like uh you you're close to the centennial yourself. So that's yes. a blessing right there.
1: Yep, except for a few aches <laughs> that you get near the
0: centennial. <laughs> hey, well I assume people are getting aches at seven <laughs> years old and nine <laughs> years old. So ninety seven it would make sense as well. Yep. Um so let's get a little bit into the story of your family. Um detroit uh were you born in detroit no i was brought to detroit when i was eight
1: months old okay i was born in jones county georgia where my parents were married and my dad dad wanted to get the heck out of georgia okay so he came to detroit where he had an older brother Uh who was living here on uh, woodbridge street He was the older brother that was in Detroit ahead of all the others that immigrated Mm. later (laughs) to Detroit. So uh, my dad came up alone, I guess, right after I was born. Mm. And my mother and I followed eight months later, maybe even seven months, because I think my mother stopped in Chicago to visit her older sister. Okay. And we were there a while before we came on to Detroit.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, that would definitely be difficult to remember as an eight-month-old. No.
1: <laughs> so I always consider myself as a Detroit because all my siblings were born. I had three siblings. Okay. And so I was the only one that was born in Detroit. I'm not born in Detroit, but I was here since infancy, so I didn't know any other place.
0: Okay. And your parents, where are they from?
1: My dad was from Georgia, and my parents were both from Georgia.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, my, let me see. My, but my mother was murdered in 1929 on March the 4th. Hmm. But she and my dad had been separated for about six months, and hmm. she wasn't returning. And that was kind of a sad time. But we were living with that same aunt and uncle hmm. uh, who came to get us after my parents separated.
0: Okay. Now, how old were you when your mother passed? I was about six and a half. Six 1920,
1: years 1929. March the 4th, 1929 is when she was murdered.
0: Do you remember, uh, wh- what do you remember about your mother?
1: Tall, very fair-skinned, very beautiful woman who, mm-hmm. when she and my dad, they separated because my brother, who was three, got burned. And my dad just thought she was a careless mother, which wasn't mm. true. Uh, I was running through the house yelling for her to come. I'm you know we're playing in the backyard and I I discover how to get the matches out of an old sliding match box I see see me my first day in summer vacation, so I go in the backyard and I'm going to bake some real pies, mud pies. I'm going to bake them. So I build a fire under this pocket <laughs> to to bake these pies. My middle sister Alice always liked to follow me or do me one better. Mm-hmm. So she takes my three-year-old brother. They're on the back porch. She ties this beautiful piece of flannel around his neck. My mother used to sew a lot, but. That stuff was not flame-proof back then. And mm-hmm. then she hands him a match, and it goes right up in his face. Mm-hmm. And I'm running to the house screaming for my mom, and she's in the bathroom reading a romance no- novel, very likely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're all reading. So if we're reading, we don't hear anything else. And mm-hmm. I guess that's we inherited from her. So I had to go through the house twice screaming for her. Mm. <laughs> By the time she caught on something terrible, that happened, so she came out and beat the fire off of his chest and stuff. But well, mm. my dad just wouldn't forgive her for allowing his only son, I guess, to get burned. So I guess there have been some other problems in the marriage, too. She was a mm. country girl that came to the city, and she had cousins there already on, on her side of the family who were, um, and one of them was very involved with the Purple Gang, so it was not a good place for her to go to stay with those cousins on that separation period.
0: Okay, and we'll talk a little bit about that shortly. As people may not know, uh, the Purple Gang is the infamous uh, mobsters from the city of Detroit. Uh, A lot of the Jewish mobsters that had a a hand in controlling a Mm. lot of the black entertainment, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then extorting some of the uh, black businesses, a, a lot of that connected right. uh, black people of that day and time mm-hmm. to these Jewish, I guess the crime syndicate of of Detroit. And you can speak a little to that and we'll get into that, but let's talk about your father. What was your father doing?
1: My father had a sixth grade education. His, his older sister had been one of his teachers in Georgia. And I didn't hear until many years later that he thought his sister being in control of his class, that one-room school thing that they had. Mm-hmm. and uh, And he, wait,
0: wait, one-room school. You got to explain that. I, What's a one-room school?
1: <laughs> I'm assuming that was a local school in the area where my father's. Uh, sister who was le- later to marry the probably richest black man in the area, 'cause they had thir- they had one thousand thirteen acres, mm-hmm. and that's a whole another story on its behalf. Okay. But anyhow, he, that my his sister later married this guy, mm-hmm. and uh, but and then I guess two, but maybe three or four of his daughters became the early black school teachers in the area.
0: Okay. And the one-room school was just the style of schooling that was, was happening down right. in Georgia at the time for, one, black, yeah. for the yeah. black...
1: Uh, 1920s. I was born in 1922, so it had been long before I was born.
0: Mm. Okay. okay. And and when we talk about that area of Georgia, how far from Atlanta, uh, how far from Augusta, where, whereabouts?
1: From Atlanta, I'm thinking about seventy miles because I would always fly into Atlanta going down to visit. Mm-hmm. Then during family reunions, and I would always rent a car there and drive from Atlanta straight into Macon, where the uh, the uh, headquarters for for the family reunion music were. Okay. okay,
0: so do you still have a lot of family there in Georgia? Yes,
1: we still have a lot of cousins. Many of them came up me later during the Second World War. Huh. I had a whole set of cousins that moved. The ones that were where the children of that, that richest black man in the area, mm-hmm. eventually moved because their father died from hmm. pneumonia. Hmm. And a lot of money disappeared out of the bank, of course. mean the black man that left, he, that store, family historical, he left $60,000 in the bank in some kind of way at they during in probate and a lot of things. All this money disappeared. <laughs> yeah,
0: stuff like that happens to this day, to this day. But
1: but my aunt had to go to court many times just to hold on to that big acre farm that was mm-hmm. one thousand thirteen acres.
0: So so when we look at uh, just that transition mm-hmm. uh, with with your father, sixth grade education. Yep. What type of work was he doing at? the so time? So he
1: comes to work in 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 the Ford five dollar day thing. Okay. Now, but which plant? Ford originally.
0: So, so the bottle tea plant down the street?
1: No. I, well, you know, I can't be sure. I thought Which he went worked at the Ruiz, but I remember going to where the F- Henry Ford, where the Ford plant is in Holland Park. Yes. I remember going there for, for health care for children. I think mm. Henry Ford at that time provided, uh, you know, all the care that children needed, you know, the special diets, the sp- vitamin D medicine. I guess then was not in oil. They would give it to you in some kind of malt, a can, it was, mm-hmm. like, malted in it. It was pretty pleasant tasting. It wasn't nasty as hell <laughs> ever well. Okay. But you were given that, uh, and you got your shots there. Mm-hmm. It's on the building way down on—halfway you know, on down Victor, if you're heading toward the freeway.
0: Okay, so— That building's
1: be- still there. I remember going there to get the shots, because so. at age five, we went to Georgia to visit my grandparents. After mm-hmm. The only time I remember seeing my grandparents until I was age 19—
0: So, if you are familiar with the Highland Park area and the Model T. Plaza where at once it was a Farmer Jack now it's another type of it's like a Spartan store or something like that there but Model T Plaza was where the Model T was built and constructed right right in Highland Park and connected to that off Victor Way Uh, Mm -hmm. shout out to Watkins Broadcasting you know I love Henry Tyler, R.J. Watkins for everything they've done in black broadcasting in the city of Detroit for so long but that's right right in that area so (laughs) connected through you see like this industrial gateway like they have a walkway from factory to factory Mm -hmm. similar to other things that we've seen throughout the city of Detroit but Mm -hmm. you're speaking about this area and I'm guessing that as a child of a Ford employee you were able to go there and receive some medical care yes as a kid Yep. okay
1: and Very few people remember that time i I had a coworker once he's I said, "Do you remember if your parents worked at Ford? He was maybe a little older than me, but he's died quite a while ago. He was the only person I knew to ever remember that there was a clinic mm-hmm. there. Henry Ford had had that clinic and he built all those little houses around there too that people lived in. They were all they were all look alike the smaller mm-hmm. ones were you know mm-hmm. for the factory workers. And then there was the middle class homes that are still there. Mm-hmm. That are what was that? What was that architectural period? Uh, there's a name for it. Like oh, you're gonna get me. Yeah, you're gonna get me. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, definitely rolling forgot, the dice no. on that.
0: I'm pretty sure somebody at Curb Detroit, uh, <laughs> Ken Coleman, could definitely drop some knowledge on me. Jamon Jordan would too. Yeah, uh, being a Highland Park <laughs> representative. Uh, so, well, what what part of the what part of Detroit did you all live in?
1: When I was, we were living down in a place called Black and when we left my uncle's house and when mm-hmm. they took in the people, who came, all his relatives that came in, they were so much older than my dad, so they were like my grandparents, and I was oh. very, very uh, bonded to my, my aunt. But okay. she was much older, and so I was their baby. But mm-hmm. I didn't bring in a baby up. She was very happy to have a baby <laughs> okay. in the house. So I was always more bonded to her, I can say, and oh, than my mother, really. I spent a lot mm-hmm. of time with her. When we mo- they were living on Woodbridge now, and they're in that city directory. I had to research this to do family history. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were living on Woodbridge somewhere between the 3,000, 3,300 blocks. So it was not mm-hmm. too far from Harbortown. Where I'm living near now, okay, <laughs> so it's like a return home, <laughs> okay, so and then we moved and then we moved from there to Shane Street about twenty three oh three and I think the cousins lived next door, and they were living at twenty three oh seven something like that. Mm-hmm. Dad's brother and his wife they were not they were also older than us. We didn't have any cousins our age back then, but they were our babysitters
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that kind of thing.
0: Now, let me ask you this question uh, Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. It seems when you talk to most people from the city of Detroit, so many people in that great migration Uh uh, that are black that come to the city of Detroit have roots to either Georgia or Alabama. Right. And a lot of black people from Chicago seem to have roots to Arkansas or Mississippi. That's
1: true. Why do you
0: think so many black folks from Georgia and Alabama made their way to Detroit?
1: I think it's because of the train service. If you were in Mississippi, you had a more direct route to Chicago. To Chicago, if you were uh, if you were in uh, Georgia, you had a more direct route straight, uh, straight. Well, you know, for 75, is it run? Mm-hmm. That's an old Indian trail, that's mm-hmm. been there long before any of us were here, mm-hmm. and uh, it runs straight through the battlegrounds of Civil War and everything. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's it, it was an established route from Georgia to come north straight down 75 when well, it wasn't called 75 then yeah, yeah. so
0: the difference between 57 yeah. and 75 right would make sense that that definitely makes sense yeah so along those lines the other thing that I, I find when I look into some of the history of black bottom mm-hmm. is just kind of due to the families like different streets and different blocks and mm-hmm. neighborhoods would have almost different parts of Georgia or uh-huh. Alabama right all the time and yeah. it seems your family definitely carried that tradition yes what was it what was Black Bottom like as a kid for you
1: well we didn't stay there alone well, I think but I didn't even start school there my okay. baby sister was born in uh, 1927 January mm-hmm. and that summer was the summer my mother took us down to see our grandparents
2: mm-hmm.
1: and when we came back from that trip, I know I had a birthday there. I'm going to assume it's my fifth birthday.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, when we came back, I think my dad had already moved us out to North Detroit mm-hmm. on, I remember what street now. England? Hmm. Or Mead? well, I started school at Washington School. My, that was my first kindergarten Okay. after we returned. Uh, maybe, I'm trying to think, make sure of the street. It wasn't. It might have been Meade Street. Hmm. Are those streets Mead and uh, Burnside? Mm-hmm. And then there's another name out there. They're all from the, uh, they're all from the Civil War mm-hmm. generals from uh, the Union side. I did, I just learned that later in research.
0: Well, that that is definitely <laughs> not shocking, <laughs> but but it is what it yeah, is. You know? uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I so. discovered they were named after uh, the Union generals.
0: Yep, and. <laughs> And what was school like then?
1: Well, Washington School is still standing there. That's the mm-hmm. school I was in in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And for a while, when I became, when my dad remarried, we attended a church there on De Quinder called mm-hmm. Lomax Temple. Mm-hmm. And they got stuck. They built a basement and a church to start with. And then they, the depression came along, and they weren't able to finish it for a while. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they finished the church, uh, they sent seventy-five right through and wiped out everything. So then they had to move their church out. They're still, where are they on now? They're on uh, probably Dave. They're they're north of Davis and on Six Mile, mm-hmm. between Six and Seven Mile Road. That same church is there.
0: Okay. So, so being as you grow, yeah. what do you stay in that neighborhood for a while, or do you move around still?
1: We were living there when my mother was murdered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And because there was no reconciliation, we had lived on Anglin Street, which would have been north of Davison.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that was a horrible time, the, the, even though they arrested my dad at the Ford factory after her shooting death, which was at around 6 p.m. On, at uh, 1300 uh, East Lafayette. That's mm-hmm. where her cousins t- near where her cousin, I think she had left living with them, and that was what the battle was about, why somebody killed her. Or she left. There were supposedly two men who were very involved, fighting over her, and one of them killed her. Mm. <laughs> it's a, I just saw that newspaper article very recently on the, it made headlines in the paper, mm-hmm. and maybe it was not on the front page, but it was on the next page. Mm. But I never knew that until I started doing research, and I started, find to find out where, where she, what was the actual address. And it may have been 2100 something like that, East Jefferson, or 2113, I got, that's the exact address. Okay, And I'm not sure that location is there. There, I, I think that's near this, the, uh, that split that's underneath the De Quinter split mm-hmm. down there, yeah. somewhere in that area. There were trains that went through there. In fact, we used to catch a the train there to mm-hmm. go to Canada or to go to New York or any place. Uh, you could board in Detroit on in that Dequender Cup and go through Canada that was the shortest route.
0: Mm-hmm. Now what were the what was the circumstances of of that uh connecting your mom to the Purple Gang and your, okay. and well, your uncles her, and everything?
1: Her cousin was um was a pilot on a boat that went to Canada to pick up the liquor. Mm-hmm. It was that simple. So <laughs> he was deep into the gang. Mm-hmm. And according to my cousin, later, many years later, she, she said he would do anything for money. So you don't know what all he was doing. I written this short family history. I'm not even so sure he wasn't moving women, white women, down into Ohio too. Mm-hmm. He was very involved in
0: the purple That's, game. Sounds like human trafficking.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and when I asked him many years later in 1972, because I knew he had some involvement. And because they never as far as I know, nobody was ever prosecuted. They had headlines in the paper for two or three days
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and she had been warned the day before that she had to return to somebody's house or other, and apparently they waited for her to come out that evening into her backyard walking somewhere, and it just blew her away. She was shot five times. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed later that it was only a lover's quarrel because she left from wherever her cousin was living. Now when I asked, interviewed him, in 1972 he came back because his brother-in-law died. That was my first time seeing him. And he, he just had to go see my dad. It felt like he had a confession to my dad or something. But when I took it to him, my dad wouldn't speak to him. And he got sick as we came out. He threw up. He did So he had a lot of guilt on what happened to my mother.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, that was as close as I got to finding out what he— because I asked him directly where he was. My mother was killed in March. And he said, maybe he was he was on a train, he said, going to see his mother, who was my grand um. Mm-hmm. And I said, but I had her death certificate. I knew she did not die <laughs> until August. And so he's telling me he's on a train in March and that he wasn't yeah. there. But he tried to hurry back because he figured somebody was, was bothering her be because of what he did. that, that That's mm-hmm. not exactly how he said it, but. It was probably something that he did or yeah. falling out or something. And his sister later told me she
0: thought mm-hmm. he, he was capable of doing things like that that would get other people in wow. trouble. So upon moving to Detroit, mm-hmm. as your mother reconnects yeah. with, with, with her your cousin, cousins. With
1: her first cousins that were already
0: here. it That's what kind of connects her to. And they
1: were living on Congress Street and, and uh, the man that was married to her cousin i think was involved in politics he's probably the precinct person or something mm-hmm. so he was able to get all of his relatives jobs at the county i mm-hmm. think he was in the county some kind of way okay. because uh his wife worked out at the tv hospital which was way out there then and uh, and i think they found
0: employment for other people in the family via the county okay now this journey is, as things go on with you in life, mm-hmm. your brothers and sisters, um, when, uh, when are your brothers and sisters, uh, you know, what, how are they adjusting to Detroit, uh, them being people well, born in the city yeah, of Detroit? They were, they, were, they were very Detroiters. Okay. <laughs>
1: so it was I. Uh, yeah. And they couldn't even remember that trip to Georgia even, but I did have that in my memory. Mm-hmm. That's when I discovered that my grandmother down there had what they call... There was big grapes that they call super nongs or some kind of thing. They, they have them occasionally at Easter Market now. Mm-hmm. They're huge grapes, but they got very tough skin. Mm-hmm. And I think they made uh, they could boil them down and make syrup and all kinds of stuff. Hmm. My grandmother also had a butter butterbean uh, bush on one side of her doorway and and this and these big grapes on the other. <laughs> so okay. I got to see fresh things growing for the first time. Wow.
0: Yeah. Okay. So on that trip to your grandparents and then coming back, do you think it was uh you think they just wanted to stay there as opposed to moving up to Detroit or
1: No, nope, my dad didn't go, it was just when the mother took all the children down to for the grandparents to see. Okay. See, I was the only one that left that they would have known see three other children were born here. So she goes down after my younger sister, help was her name was Helen. She takes all of us down, and Helen was still a baby. Remember, she was born in 27. I was 27 We're going in January. Now, we were down there in August because I celebrated my birthday there. That's why I remember we had a birthday party. Something else interesting to know, too, is that I remember my mother went away one day for a day in the city or something while we were in Georgia, and I saw them make this... uh, they made a pacifier for the baby, so on bre- breast milk made out of sugar and butter tied up in a little muslin thing. And I thought that was really weird. But you know what? They claim breast milk is made out of fat and sugar. That's why those babies pump up so fast. <laughs> that, that That's the main con- the contents of breast milk.
0: Well, I'm, I'm learning <laughs> as I go. <laughs> Learning as I go. I figure it's more natural than uh, the milk from the store. Yeah.
1: They really do plump up fast. I wonder why they were so much plumper and rounder.
0: Mm-hmm. So so as time goes on, what high school do you go to?
1: Hamtramck High. We lived on the border of Hamtramck and Holland Park. Okay. Um, you know where Grand Haven is? Uh, yes. In fact, you know you heard about the uh, Garrett case, the people that sued Hamtramck when they brought that Brought that housing project in. I know you've read about it maybe in the history books. Mm-hmm. The Garrett case, as far as I know, has never been settled. They claimed mm-hmm. they didn't have enough money <laughs> to pay because <laughs> they didn't, they turned down after they, and we were living in that area. We, li- we were the last house on the block, right zigzag across from Grand Haven. Mm-hmm. Then there was about a, a block, maybe a half a block long before the railroad. And on the other side was Holland Park, and mm-hmm. we were on the hand tramming side.
0: Okay, what was uh, Hamtramck like then? Because I definitely know now a a strong Bengali community, Eastern European community.
1: It was always Eastern European when we were there. We didn't have the Bengalis. That's something new in recent years. It was Polish, not only Polish. uh, Let's see, one that we just uh, our last president got in trouble Ukrainians, Mm -hmm. uh, with all of Eastern. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- uh country people there, not England or any of those eastern uh western uh Europe it was always the eastern Eastern white people that were in handrammigr right? From
0: and were how many black students were there when you were there
1: Well, my graduating class. Only had seven blacks out of three hundred and something, but wow. but, uh, but I discovered later years when I would meet people from that graduating class, there was a set of garrets that were in my graduating class that were related distantly to my to my uh, stepmom, mm-hmm. but I never knew them. I was never introduced to them as family. I my mother was, well my parents always they worked an eight-hour job and they always had a business and they went to later. So Mm -hmm. they were so busy, they didn't meet with too many
0: relatives. (laughs) Okay. So what was it like being one of the few black students then at that school?
1: It turned out when I get my yearbook and I'm looking at this book, more than seven black people were in it, and I couldn't couldn't remember these people. It turned out they were the winter grad that— they held them until they mm-hmm. couldn't graduate into the summer group because they had one graduation. So yeah. I never knew that other. So I couldn't figure out where did these other black kids, I never saw them. Well, they were really finished, but mm-hmm. <laughs> they were great ahead of me okay. or something. Okay. So now I don't find out about relationship between those garrets. And they lived on, let me see, there was a dividing line at Kniff, no, at Josecampo. Mm-hmm. There was uh, people that we, a whole black group of people lived over in what they called Ducktown, mm-hmm. and the reasons for that i rem- uh, you wonder how did they get that name Ducktown? There was an area that was kind of a low area land that would fill up every spring with water, mm-hmm. and the ducks would really fly in that mm-hmm. Was the phenomenon over there We're on Yeman Street,
0: mm-hmm. on the
1: other side of, uh, of. Uh, I chose a compo.
0: But I, I just want to know just the dynamic for you. What was it like being a student then? Where uh, you know, the teachers, how were they responding? How, how was your connection? How did you um, feel the education was?
1: Oh, the education was excellent. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was some kind of model system they used where we, uh, where, um, we didn't have to buy a lot of books. Everything was... Um, Mimeographed, and I guess it would be didn't have to memorize a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you would have they would give you all these lesson plans and mimeograph, and they would have blank spaces where if you were supposed to remember from lectures uh, what to put in the blank spaces. Basically, you read it, you didn't have to have a book, you just got a big sheaf of mimeographed so stuff. What and
0: is mimeographed? Because I'm see there, this myself, is like, way before is that was a
1: first. See, got to remember, there are two ways of duplicating things back in the day. Mm -hmm. I'm talking 19, what, Mm 30-ish? Early, no, really 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. Um, It was either mimeograph. You know, you have a big roller with the the original thing typed on it where it made
3: Mm -hmm.
1: impressions and you rolled off this thing. Very much like the newspapers, only a much smaller thing. Okay. And then... See what else did we have, but you know it was very
0: advanced. Is it like we the were, receipt paper where like you sign it and then it it, sh- it writes through?
1: No, that was the other method too. Was oh, that okay, was okay, that okay. was that copy sheet? Yeah, mm-hmm. but mimeograph could make a lot more copies because the mm-hmm. ink would be on the big roller and mm-hmm. you roll it off. And it looks like a newspaper business—you run on copy after copy and
0: just have to re-ink so, it. So after after high school, what year did you graduate? I graduated in June
1: 1940.
0: What uh, what did you do after high school?
1: After high school, I was trained in clerical work. I had to demand uh, have an algebra class because they took the attitude like every everybody that black kids and I guess some of those poor white kids were not going to ever see college, so if they had a lot of. Uh, Pre college courses. I don't know about it because I was in the commercial curriculum. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I do remember demanding algebra. something told me you're going to need some algebra. Mm-hmm. That fascinated me. How how you could find a known from a from one unknown and <laughs> and, and one known, and you could come up with a mm-hmm. third. <laughs> I ne- I needed to know how to do that. So I had algebra one, and holy cow, I was probably. Only two black kids are in that class, and I, I, I and I passed the. There you go. I passed the course, uh, uh, the highest score in the class, and okay. the instructor was really taken aback. He was mm-hmm. mad at the white kid, white boy that didn't do, mm-hmm. and I had the B plus. I was, and, but he gave it recognition. He said, "Miss Annie, Annie Louise is the one that had the highest score." Mm-hmm. He he didn't keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very pleased. <laughs> But by the time I got Algebra two, I wasn't. I thought I had the secret. I didn't want to plow into mm-hmm. Algebra too deeply, but mm-hmm. so I I didn't enjoy Algebra two as well as. And I didn't get that algebra probably until the seventh or eighth grade. And,
0: yeah. and and after, like I was saying, after high school, you said clerical work. Where where were you working? Oh, what were boy. you doing? And were you?
1: My first job, I got eight dollars a week working for some men, who well, a father and a son and a friend of theirs that. As we're trying to establish a black yellow pages, hmm. and they were located, they were living in the f- the father's son and his wife's apartment mm-hmm. in the Brewster Douglas. Okay. Now these were very middle class people. That tells mm-hmm. you no poor people were in Brewster. They really, <laughs> they really had to really. Uh, and I know some older people p- were involved in that, because one of those was uh, later a supervisor of mine. They might make a very excellent impression about black people in the Brewster, so they were highly selected people, mm-hmm. and they were not poor people, let me tell you that. Mm-hmm. Now, later on, I worked at the nurse down there, in a uh, visiting nurse right on Hastings, and... Uh, Earlier, I was just there as a clerk right out of high school. So... I was a secretary for these people that were going to put out the black, yellow pages.
0: Okay. Did they put out the yellow pages?
1: I never know because I only worked for them about a year. Okay. And, and I don't want to talk about why <laughs> I wow. changed job. Well, $8, that was no money. I was still at home. Um, yeah. And... Um, I'll never know whether they got that yellow page. They were collecting money for ads all the Mm -hmm. time, all that. And they would take me down to Beacon Street to lunch occasionally. And what was on Beacon Street and down, you know, in that Paradise Valley area, they had a prophet, was it Prophet Jones or one of the big ministerial um, people that was mm-hmm. famous in New York and in Detroit. They okay. had a restaurant down there. I thought that was really wonderful that they had a restaurant where they charged $0.15, 15 cent for mm-hmm. a meal. Could you believe that? Well, incomes are very low back then. Obviously, yeah. I tell you, my first job was $8. <laughs> then I worked for, after that, I worked for lawyers. They were very famous. Some of the schools in Detroit are named after them. I can't think of their name right What's that trade school that's near receiving?
0: Near receiving, yeah, uh, right Go across. Lightly. Go
1: Lightly. I worked for the Go Lightly's. I worked for the t- the one that was the attorney. I was mm-hmm. his secretary. Now they were located on Gratiot, mm-hmm. um, and there were a lot of retail places on Gratiot then. Okay. There were when I remember the night we went to that place for that you had the whiskey yeah. place, uh, very close to that area. They mm-hmm. had they had furniture stores. They had they actually had a. They actually had a place where they really sold live chickens. They see me right across from where yeah. I was working. Uh, it, everything wasn't all at Eastern Market. There were separate stores all the way down Gratiot in that area near town.
0: Yeah, this is before a lot of that zoning took place.
1: Yeah, you're right. So I remember what Gratiot used to be. right?
0: So so time goes on. Uh, you talked about your father yeah, and uh, the one with the
1: sixth grade education. owning
0: owning businesses. What yes. type of businesses did your father own?
1: My father owned uh, during the. Uh, gotta remember we're we're into the years when liquor was illegal.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: a joke that went around in Antramic that anybody that had five dollars could set up their own whiskey still and mm-hmm. sell liquor. Okay, so we we had a whiskey still in our attic. Okay, and we had a semi fire, and there was a Gulf Oil company that were across, slide across from, that, from us. They called because they could see the smoke coming out of our hmm. attic at one time. And, and on really moist, uh, very humid days, you could smell a bready kind of odor if you are mm-hmm. walking down the street. So anybody could locate a whiskey still if they mm-hmm. knew what to look for. Well, anyhow, when the fire started, it was related to that still that was in our attic. Mm-hmm. And um, my uncle... I don't know if he threw some mash in the yard or something. It, they always had that mash left over. And, and so there was a raid on, the firemen came, and then they tore down the still, whatever. Mm. They tore it apart. And then there was a complaint made. Like, there was always somebody in the police, in the police department, I guess, people who were doing <laughs> stuff that's not quite legal were paying graft probably, too. Mm. So... That department made them come back and put the still back together again, <laughs> but it didn't get my uncle out of trouble. I think they did send him to jail, but it really wasn't his still. Mm-hmm. He, but he was my dad's baby brother, and he was partly our babysitter when my parents mm-hmm. went to their business at night and all of that.
0: So the business was selling the, the whiskey for I, your dad? They had a
1: tavern. They had a tavern. Always had a tavern. Where at? They had a restaurant. Always had a restaurant. But at night, I think there were things in the cups that weren't always <laughs> legal. Juice. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Where, but during the day. Where
0: was the tavern?
1: On, um, on De Quinder first. Mm-hmm. And then he moved on to Kniff.
0: Um. So in Hamtramck?
1: Yeah, in Hamtramck. We okay. I was in school in Hamtramck from the house? fifth grade on.
0: Was it in a house or was it in no, retail a bu- retail space? No, it a retail space.
1: And in fact, when he, the second business, maybe it was the third, but the well, second business was a small brick place that he called a sports club because part of the money he raised there, he, he supported, there were two or three very fast runners in Hamtramck then. Mm-hmm. And so they, Raise a lot of money for those kids that were on the racing team because okay. they were young black men. Okay. So it was called a sportsman's club based on that. So your your but dad dur-
0: kind of stayed in the restaurant. Uh, yeah,
1: as well as working at Ford and uh, and during the de- bad part of depression he was working. Joseph Campo and, and Trammick had a, had a lot of auto dealerships, mm-hmm. and he he had to take a job there. Well, those factories were closed down, and I'm I'm trying to remember what his salary was. I think it was twenty-five dollars a week mm-hmm. just for keeping the cars signed
0: yeah. up. And your and his wife at the time and uh, my step-mom, stepmom was did she working work with him. Or what no, was she
1: she, she worked at a hotel. There was an apartment hotel on the corner of Collingwood and Third.
0: Okay, that's like down the street right here. There you go. Okay.
1: And it was calling
0: up, what was it called? Collinwood and Third. So that that technically- It became a nursing home probably
1: when you were a child. It was still there. That building is still there. Yeah. Do you remember that they said, you remember, you have to go back. Remember in Chicago, they murdered these seven people, lined these people up. Uh, the, on the gangster the, in Chicago, the
0: Saint, uh, the Saint, what was that? The, Saint Valentine's, Saint Valentine's yeah, Day Massacre. Right. Yeah, right.
1: Well, there was another massacre in that hotel where my mother mm. worked, and I never got. To, look, I wasn't interested in history when I started family history, so mm. I never got to ask her. If she was working there when this happened. Mm-hmm. You know, there, no, there was a murder of three men in that hotel, in that apartment mm. hotel as they called there, were mm. permanent residents, and there were also, you know, hotel parts too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so what was her? You said she was in business too. What was her? Yeah, business? she.
1: Oh, she Where were my dad? They they were both they partners in,
0: in their business. At okay. night
1: they came home. They fed us, <laughs> and, then and they they got, left, got right back out. We had to we had to, uh, we had the to the get town. all of our books out and start reading. And we we when we lived in Hamtramck on, on the border of Holland Park, instead of going to Hamtramck, like, I'm not even sure Hamtramck had a public. Like, we would always go up to Thompson School right there on mm-hmm. the corner of, of Kniff and. Uh, and what's up there, Oakland? Mm-hmm. There was there the Thompson School. We went there for all of our library books, and we read a lot of books.
0: <laughs> so the uh...
1: we go back two or three times a week and get three or four books a piece.
0: Let me ask you this, because it's it's almost like a the open secret or whatever yeah you know okay. the russian bathhouse that's over there off oakland now
1: oh yeah those was those,
0: that uh was that around then
1: no not well that could have been there then i wasn't aware but I, it may have been more see we know. move up we moved to westminster we, we're living on holbrook and oakland right mm-hmm. behind the drugstore you know the black drugstore owner he had two two uh drugstores one on holbrook in oakland mm-hmm. and that's that was that we moved there, that house next to right behind mm-hmm. that, and the year I graduated from high school in 1940, we left Tramming. Okay.
0: okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And then we had all these white businesses there on, on okay. that corner, and oh, it was just a wonderful place to be if you lived in tramming where you, you were a real minority, and then you get to the corner of at Oakland. Oh my good and they had so many businesses, and that was just before the uh, war started,
0: of course, the Second mm. World War, too. Uh, Do you remember the first, uh, I guess, rebellion or as people may say, riot in 43? Yes,
1: yes. I was working for the War Department out at Liverno Fort.
0: The War Department? Yeah. I don't even know what the War (laughs) Department is. That's like a a branch of the military? You you know where Fort Wayne is? Yes. Fort
1: Wayne was part of the War Department. In fact, they had been there historically. You know, they had those barracks and everything out there. Mm Well, they would send the trains through there with all the all the munitions that were going t- to the East Coast. Yeah. So I worked in an apartment where a man was, the guy was responsible for checkers that would go and open, mm-hmm. you know, sample cards and make sure oh, it, ma- it matched the good. bill of ladings, yeah. right? So they wouldn't get away with too much stuff. Didn't, uh, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I'm, and and stuff then, didn't and, fall off the and, train. And the same time I was there working, they also brought prisoners of war there after the uh, Italian fiasco was over. Mm-hmm. They there were Italian men of war there living in those barracks.
0: So, so from Mussolini, and it was prisoners of war. Prisoners
1: of war, right? In 1942, three and four, while I was working there,
0: and they just kept them there in the till the uh, end of the war, right? They
1: were. Pri- Mm-hmm. They, had, they had some other prison camps, I believe, in Texas too. Mm-hmm. But as far as I, when I was working at Fort Wayne, they had mainly Italian prisoners.
0: Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And and were these Italian prisoners actually?
1: They were living the
0: grounds, or were they spies here, or were they? No, did they actually come from Italy?
1: Yeah, they came from Italy. They were they brought them wow. from Europe and brought them in this country to stop that part of the Mussolini part of the yeah. Second World War.
0: And at that point, did, do you know if they became citizens after, or did they? I have no idea what some... happened to them afterwards. You're not sure. <laughs> because That's I left.
1: I left the summer of forty four. Mm-hmm. No, not for, was it forty four? Yeah, forty four. And I went to nursing school in New York and huh. Harlem. And that's an experience everybody should have if they're black, Okay. I live in Harlem for a short period. Now Harlem's
0: changed a lot. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I but know, Living in Harlem may be like living ever. in San Francisco right now. <laughs> yeah, but, that's true. They but, rebuilt um, it.
1: But I got the joy of living in the brownstone and uh, the whole thing, and so year? I loved it.
0: <laughs> what year?
1: Uh, the year I graduated from uh, but it been 1948, the end of forty-eight, and I wow. moved into a brownstone. So, 48. Yeah. That was uh, that was like the, Harlem. Th- this Harlem. Was, I arrived in Harlem in '45, and the war was over three months later. Well, with Europe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when was June? Maybe six months later. Uh, mm-hmm. February, I went to school there, and in June the war ended in Europe, and that was an experience living in New York during that Second World War because there were U-boats out there on on the eastern Coast. Downtown was all blacked out, the, the lights had to be turned out, and, mm. and even in the neighborhood, you, you were supposed to keep your curtains tight at night, so they, if there were spies around, mm. looking into, and I lived wow. in a nursing school there, so. Mm. How long did you stay there? I went there in 45, and I left the end of 48. Okay. Came back to Detroit to 90 Westminster.
0: Okay, so back in Detroit uh, with, with education as a nurse, where, where did you go?
1: Well, I went. I got, I got cheated out of credit hours at Wayne State because all of our instructors at Harlem Hospital were taught by uh, instructors from Columbia. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't go back, if you didn't go to Columbia immediately after getting out of nursing fields and getting all of their credits there, when you got to Wayne State, they just halved your credits. I had—I should have had 66 credit hours to enter uh-huh. Wayne and, all, and they reduced it to 36 so they stole wow. 30 credit hours. Well wow, that's, but like that's a because of my naive, year and a half of school. My naive, that's right. So, But I was young. And okay. I, I, I you didn't had mind, year and And a half. I was living right on the corner almost of Woodward. Okay. Woodward bus was out there. <laughs> okay. And then I was repeating classes, all those uh, zoology classes that I got A's, and when I mm-hmm. was there after flunking one course, and they wrote a letter to my mother, and I was really upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I said, I can't let my mother down. I got a 20. told me I, had to, mm-hmm. I was going to have to memorize 600 nerves, muscles, and everything. Mm-hmm. I, are they crazy? Remember I told you we didn't memorize anything yeah. in hand tramming school? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then my mother got the letter and called me one Sunday morning, and I'm 22 years old now. I'm really it. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Who wrote you a letter? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so as that carries on, uh, where where do you work as a nurse?
1: I started working immediately at, uh, I started doing private duty nursing because I, I could pick my own hours and stuff What's like that. What's private duty
0: nursing? Like kind of uh, what they would say, like home care? No, aid, no, so. you're in the
1: hospital taking care of one patient only. And they were doing some of the early heart surgery. i do I'm, that? Yeah, yeah. So, they's. like
0: each patient would have one nurse. That's back in the day.
1: No, no that's how, that's what's called private duty. <laughs> you I'm got better. your own <laughs> nurse three different shifts. So I did that, and 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 that was a period when they were doing the early heart surgery on the blue babies, the babies that were born with you know opening in their heart and they mm. they. they because years before then, they didn't know how to do heart surgery. And mm-hmm. so I got involved in a lot of that beginning surgery on those babies that had the opening in their hearts. So, hmm. And they needed a private duty nurse around the clock, one nurse. How,
0: how did you like uh, working in nursing?
1: Well, I liked. I did not like uniforms, and that's another story. There was a program during the Second World War when... I got to Harlem and I discovered I didn't have to pay my own tuition if I joined the uh, Junior Cadet Nurse Corps. Because mm-hmm. they needed no plan for when all these men came back, when you were all messed up, they wanted to have a, yeah. a, a trained nurse force. Now, that was interesting because black nurses could not get into service and get their, you know, uh, what do you call it? Their military rights and stuff because originally they didn't want to send any black nurses overseas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a lot of, some of the early black nurses came, one of the earliest one came out of Detroit, in fact. In fact, there used to be a group named after, I can't think of her Mm -hmm. name right now. But, uh, and she actually went to Australia and Mm -hmm. those places and she uh, always always explained how the boat had to go zigzag Mm -hmm. to keep from being shot out, you know, and
0: all of that. And working with, but I
1: worked your, at I worked at Sinai Hospital there uh-huh. on Fifth Avenue and no, was it Fifth? Yeah, Fifth and in Central Park, mm-hmm. about ninety ninth, I guess in Central Park. So okay. I enjoyed that. But and then in the summer, they wanted me work on the on the ward. They had a lot of uh, that was a Jewish hospital, of course, and they had a lot of babies born with all kinds of things that we never saw yeah. in the black community, right? Mm-hmm. So that was an experience.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and how long? How long did you work as a nurse?
1: Probably after I graduated, I'm thinking from forty-eight to fifty-six. Okay. So it's about eight years.
0: So eight years, mm-hmm. and then you made a transition to what field?
1: Yeah, I I moved. I went to social services for the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they have a, there was a big recession, I guess, in the mid 50s, sometime mm-hmm. there. And I met a lot of people there. It, it belonged to another profession, but that was a quick job to get because they were looking for people to take care of those huge caseloads. Mm-hmm. So I, I met the guy who, who, who was this uh, New York person, Max, what was his name, the one that did this Raisin in the Sun, the producer for that. I can't, he was a, Lloyd, Mm -hmm. Lloyd, what was, was it Max Lloyd or Lloyd Max, whatever, Mm -hmm. I get his name, I know he was on the payroll there when I was there, Cornelius Pitts was there, a lot of the new lawyers were there, yeah, we were all in that group, Mm -hmm. and then later on people moved out into teaching if they wanted to do that, or I was there, since I already had a bachelor's degree when I was there, I got my bachelor's in 54, Mm-hmm. And uh, they were looking for the um, a bachelor's degree person to put in the family protective services unit, mm-hmm. and uh, and the city of Detroit paid for certain people at Wayne State, and so when they get a person on their staff mm-hmm. that has that degree, they rush me right out of there to Wayne State on into the into the, uh, the social work program, so I could get my uh, masters. So I it, was paid three fifths of my salary for the first year hmm. for going right into school. I worked for the city one year and they, and they had me go back to school. I got a lot of
0: breaks. Hmm. <laughs> so the working in social work. Uh-huh. And that's kind of how, how, I know you made the introduction to my aunt. OK. And you did that for a while. Uh-huh. What were some of the families you were working with and what were some of the challenges that you saw for some of the families in the 50s? Like, can you explain, like, the makeup of the families? Were they primarily black? Were they white? Were they Jewish? Were they younger mothers? They
1: were white and black. Mm -hmm. And uh, early on, we had a lot of families that came up during the second World War. World War, right. And, mm-hmm. I, and I got involved with some of those families while I was in Visiting Nurse Association, too. I worked and right there think, on Hastings.
0: And do you think that and right ho- now... And,
1: and housing was terrible. It was crowded. Then, you know, before at, Detroit emptied out. That was as
0: Detroit, out. That was like almost experiencing the, the largest influx of residents in the city. Yeah, yeah. But do you think that some of those uh, families with, with soldiers that served, right now they label it PTSD at the yeah, time, I'm sure... Yeah. The theories for it w- were seen, but it wasn't even known like that. Yeah. I think one of the terms that often was used from when I talked to the guys from uh, the Vietnam veterans that I've met, mm-hmm. uh, they say shell shock. Yeah. So yeah. that may have been one of the terms they used. Yeah. Different terms. But uh, and I was
1: married to an ex-vet. <laughs> OK. <laughs> yeah. So. So they drink. They like it. they were shook up and they mm-hmm. they never stopped smoking and um they were, and my my husband was very depressive. I don't mm-hmm. know whether he had the depression
0: before he was What's, in What um what what war did he serve? World War Two. World War Two. Right. And, and we were married. Either when in did f- you get married?
1: Fifty one.
0: Okay. So before I you graduated, fifty one. Before you graduated. No,
1: wait a minute. No, I was home back, but yeah, before I graduated from Wayne State. Okay. But after I returned from New York,
0: that yes. was here. So fifty one. And was he a Detroiter as well? Yeah. Okay. And what what work did he do?
1: He he was a dry cleaner when he came back from service aid training. Okay. They had all these f- different training jobs, jobs yeah. In order to that, okay. that
0: the government paid for, yeah. And I'm always interested just as as a guy my age now, what what was uh what was the courting process? How did he approach you? I'm always interested
1: oh, in that. That's interesting. Like did he Oh, I met him. I was when I was working for the V and forgot. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was a during the period when there was a lot of TB hmm. uh, in the area, and a guy my sister used to date that probably lived on Cameron Street or somewhere in the north end there, I can't remember exactly where it was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I go to vi- to see this ex-TB patient, a young mm-hmm. man that I knew him because I knew he had dated my sister, mm-hmm. Alice. And I go there, and he's visiting. That's his best buddy. He's visiting okay. him. And he latches on to me like mad. He he lives on the next street over. What's the next street so over? Going south.
0: So he sees you. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, uh, and he, he lived so
1: close by. That ah. was a big problem. He lived maybe four or five blocks away on what the street going uh, south of Westminster. Kenilworth. Mm-hmm. He lived at 624 Kenilworth. Okay. And I was in the 90 Westminster. I don't mm-hmm. think you should have a boyfriend live that close <laughs> to you. In okay. The, in your neighborhood.
0: <laughs> okay. So some lessons <laughs> range true <through laughs> of all eras. <laughs> so. So, when he found out where you live. Yeah, he's got a girlfriend
1: day. that lives on the north end where he loves. <laughs>
0: so, every every day at that point in time. He's
1: <laughs> Almost. <laughs> and okay. then, when I wanted to go, well, I had another fr- guy i have been engaged to in New York
3: mm-hmm.
1: who I didn't want to get married at that time. So, I he would show up every once in a while and I would have to lie to my. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he was so close by. I, I, I said to him, I will be out of town or something when this other guy. <laughs>
0: I'm, in. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he could have walked around the and corner,
1: I'm, and he comes up to my house and knocks on the door, and I'm looking at us, and I'm, "Why is he over here checking on me? I didn't like that at all."
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that can be for some. I, did, a, I uh, did not answer, the door. Did not up, answer the door. I did not answer the door. Right? Bet you
1: didn't. But I knew he was going to go back there, so he yeah. was just coming to see. Hold on, I guess from New York days, but so. <laughs>
0: So in it, uh, did you all have children? What, yeah. What, how, okay. We had two
1: children. Mm-hmm. They're in that generation. What, what's it called? <laughs> when the men returned from service, all those kids that were born. <laughs> baby boomers? Yeah, baby boomers. My, okay. So my oldest is 67 now, mm-hmm. and my my younger one died at 53 about mm-hmm. 10 years, well, a little more than 10 years ago. He was a lawyer.
0: It mm. was uh, very painful.
1: Mm. He about was my baby son, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And and just this connection um and and, and being in a family what mm-hmm. what was that whole experience like as you were still working and and in this time you're you're kind of taking the lead in social service at your position being that you do have the degree you yeah. have the education and you're a black woman yeah so I'm a girl in boy. in the 50s yeah well I didn't get promoted to the higher
1: positions until um, 72 to wow, 75. so it took a while. So I even with being, the credentials. I ended up being the district manager of it, so three what, or four district offices sooner or later in, in progression. So right.
0: with the with the credentials, you still were not given the same access.
1: Well, yeah, I was. I can't say I wasn't. Mm, okay. <laughs> I was very fortunate. I was in the right place at the right time. Okay. Okay. Now, the only thing I got cheated on was having to repeat those the grades. extra hours for, that I didn't get transferred okay. from from Columbia. Right? OK. And,
0: and then. Managing.
1: But I was young. Thank God I was young. And I knew that I knew all the anatomy and zoology classes. So I got all A's on them.
0: That's okay.
1: that, that same when they wrote the letter to my <laughs> to my mother about <laughs> when I was 22. So,
0: so how did you. That was a walk through. How did you handle managing the uh, the work life and family life at that time?
1: It was fine until you know your marriage is falling apart, and and then, and, and someone gets disabled. You're the only age. Well, I can't say it was only wage earned because my husband did save money, and he had, he we had, we had two homes when we divorced, and that caused them. They say, what would you people want And a car? <laughs> we had a two flat that we were living in, and then we had a three flat over in on the old west side mm-hmm. so in the moment they saw what we had and we're divorcing they, they want to save this marriage but my husband could get kind of violent i said no i'm not going to stay with him he was yes. he was getting into a depressive skitsy kind of yeah. thing and i and I, that was stressful because yeah. i was trying to with him as long as i could because we had the two boys so i didn't want them to be i probably stayed too long i think my older son gets into a lot of anxiety about what happened during that
0: period so I do you think and and as i look back at that era uh and i've even had talks like this with Mm -hmm. with my aunt because Mm -hmm. um some of the things that i that i look back in history and think Mm -hmm. about you know uh some of the challenges women have faced right uh just because domestic violence was so normalized then yeah from just talking to some of the older guys that i know uh, and I don't even know so many men of that era. Right. But that was normalized. Uh, and not only that, but also he was a veteran. Do you mm-hmm. think some of it dealt with what he faced from the war? Or, Do you oh, think that? definitely?
1: You know, they come back, they're smoking heavily over mm-hmm. those veterans. And they, a lot of them couldn't stop smoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was part of the problem. They so they end up with these heart problems. And I remember he, after we were separated, he told me, uh, that he couldn't walk a block without his legs going into those cramps and things. So I knew he was getting a bad heart. Oh. And I said, "And you better get down to the VA hospital." And things. Mm-hmm. I don't think they, uh, the VA really took care of them the way they should have. Yeah. So,
0: <clears throat> so divorce. When did you divorce?
1: Um, I'm thinking fifth. Now you're gonna make me come. <laughs> well. I'm thinking I was married about seven years. So it must have been about 1958. Okay. And I was married in 51. (laughs) Okay.
0: And around this time, uh, 58 is an interesting time as this is sort of the change in Detroit, but also a change in America. Yeah. uh, As you know, it's labeled as the civil rights movement, but it was many that it propelled many other rights movements Mm -hmm. soon after. How do you remember this time from, like, I guess the late 50s through the 60s?
1: Well, that's when I had switched over into, like I said, it was 56 when I went into social work, I believe. Yeah. So. um, Well, there was some stress, but. I had so many, you know, you know, I got my education paid for to get the master's degree. Mm-hmm. I couldn't complain, but mm-hmm. I probably put strain on the marriage, too, as men mm-hmm. had less
0: work maybe during that period. So but I'm just saying more so, do you remember just that time through the 60s after your marriage? Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 was it like for you Sixies. as you were, you know, seeing Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and oh, yeah. uh, Rosa Parks and yes, the news well, of a lot of this, all, all while being uh, the, in the And the
1: anti-Vietnam things. Yeah, I, I was very yeah. active during the And so I ended up with a red file. Yeah, I was very
0: leftist. Okay, so you were active in the anti-war yeah, movement at yes, the time. Yes,
1: because I had two sons, yeah. And I mm-hmm. sent my elder son to a, uh, to Virginia to a military a Catholic military school during the period when uh, school integration was up in the air and Virginia closed their public schools to keep from integrating. So there they went to all private schools. Well, that turned out good for me because I want my son to go to a boarding school. I thought he didn't have a father around, and he was slipping around in his grades. Mm-hmm. But then when he got there to, I think it was called St. Emma's uh, mm-hmm. Academy in, in Powhatan, Virginia, mm-hmm which was probably about 15, seven miles out from Richmond. Yeah. And uh, in near that James River, that's a lot of historic area in there when the first blacks came through that James yeah. River. Yeah, So that was very... And my son's grades were, definitely went up, but he also came on that Christmas with uh, one of those diseases that you get when you're with a lot of people. And he since he was a... Uh, you know, the freshman, I'm sure he was cleaning a lot of toilets and everything else in the yeah. military school. He came home sick. And I don't think he was ever very strong. Got some liver infection from wow. that. Wow. And uh, But anyhow, I love the idea that, oh, okay, so if you don't want to integrate, then make some other schools available, for high standard schools. And that was a very good school. Uh, some friends of mine told me about it. And uh, he comes home with good grades, A's, and one was it, you automatically become a member of the NRA. I didn't like that part of it because Vietnam was starting. <laughs> and then there was other, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, oh, and it, he was trained to be a rifleman because he's mm-hmm. in a military school. So I said, you, I'm going to have to change your school.
0: So being, as you talk about the anti-war movement, mm-hmm. and, and as things pick up with Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, and you have a different understanding of this from your ex-husband. Yeah. Uh, also working with some veterans. Yes. And also your job at Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. And some of the guys even told me about Fort Wayne yeah. was where, you know, if you were picked to be in the draft, mm-hmm. you get picked up. I well, remember I had a. I don't um, remember that, but
1: I wouldn't be surprised.
0: <laughs> I remember I had a talk with Charlie Beckham and he said the, the, uh the draft officer even point blank. You know, he knew the name of them, he knew people's names, and sometimes they just seem mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. All right, you're coming up. Mm-hmm. And he said, You know, we were, we were definitely dog afraid of getting that letter mm-hmm. to get called down mm-hmm. there. Well,
1: I had my, I, my, my older son was old enough to, uh, to sign up it. for the draft. I, mm-hmm. We dragged it out a whole year. <laughs> I oh. told him, Well, you're just 18, you're gonna be 18 a whole year. I think technically you were supposed to register.
0: For the moment uh, you hit what you talked about is uh what my mom even told me and I didn't even realize the, the 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 I guess the the immense uh the immense um importance of the selective service. Yeah. Because my mom was like, Yeah, you're turning eighteen, you need to fill that selective yeah. service card yep. out.
1: Yep, that happened. So so now we're into the what is it, the commercial <laughs> mm-hmm military where you don't have you don't as far as i know you don't have to
0: register now do you I don't know i i, I it's a I'm volunteer service i, know I had supposed to, to be
1: volunteer service I
0: know I had to <laughs> yeah right now it's technically i mean yeah. things have changed but uh hmm. you know the more they change they may remain the same yeah, at, that's at this point, true depending upon uh who we have in as an executive that's ain't right. no telling what may happen uh, ain't no telling what That's may true. happen and uh, I'm glad that I'm older but I do have a nephew and I do have a lot of little homies right. that I would you know um, but it, it, in some ways I do feel that just due to the economic conditions uh-huh. and a lot of the people I know that have chosen to join the military service it's not with pride I, I, really, I don't know a person that joined the service with pride it's more uh-huh. so like I can join this service because it can provide a job opportunity. Right. You know, or it can provide some money. Uh, it, it's it's not like people are saying, I want to be a soldier because my grandfather was a soldier and yeah. I want to defend the flag. You, know? <laughs> you don't but hear that anymore. <laughs> I, you know, as, uh, what's the Credence Clearwater revival song? Uh-huh. No Fortunate Sons. Uh-huh. I, I don't know many. It, they may exist, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, even uh-huh. when the... Uh, you know, as they say, even when the, the when the senators and the congress people talk about mm-hmm. it, you know, their sons, if in the service, are definitely not on the front lines, as Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder was saying mm-hmm. songs. They're like in some office <laughs> you know, way mm-hmm. <laughs> way off of any uh actually mm-hmm. battle battle. You mm-hmm. know, they're they're not looking at any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And with drone strikes nowadays, um things have changed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I guess we're, we're getting to a close and I feel like it's still so much more that I can get from you in the story. I, I'm going to definitely have to bring you back to <laughs> figure out what was happening in the 80s, uh, the 90s uh, it, through now um, and some of the things that you've been working on. But mm-hmm. you just drew and painted a beautiful picture mm-hmm. of your life story mm-hmm. and a lot of details. Detroit and just like a black experience for Detroit mm-hmm. um, you asked me once what happened with the 43 right yes
1: yeah. I, I didn't even I was working at Fort Wayne and mm-hmm. I took the, the Fort Green bus that would bring you up to Warren and Livernois there near where Edison used to be in that west mm-hmm. side area yep. I, was, I, I was left off of the bus there to change to another bus I'm standing on the corner I don't know that there is a riot mm-hmm. no, <laughs> I worked all day. I,
0: mm-hmm. I,
1: I don't know how that was a secret most of the day. Before <laughs> well, you didn't have your phones and yeah, you know, so all not, of that it's stuff pre-20. Yeah. Pre-twitter. So luckily, a guy comes with a red a convertible. He's just cruising the area. I guess to, to pick up people that you know if you're black and you're on the street, you're in danger. Wow. So he stops it and helps me. Well, am i waiting there. He told me the buses aren't running. That's only way I knew that something was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, And he said, lady, the buses are never going to come. He said, where do you live? And that time I was living out in North Detroit on Goddard somewhere. And I said to him, where I told him where I lived, he looked like a wet cider though. He belonged over there. So next thing I knew, he gave me the ride there, Mm. back all the way to my house. And uh, otherwise, I'm... who knows you what that, happened? To me. The young black a good, woman standing on the corner. <laughs> that was a good Samaritan act <laughs> from that mean, black man. Yeah, and later on, I heard somebody was killed, but I mm. couldn't establish whether it was him. But I, uh, I always hoped it wasn't him. Yeah, that was yeah. a good Samaritan act yeah. from that man. Yeah,
0: I was so just, that's good. I had some very fortunate experiences. So, with that, I'm gonna come to the classic Detroit is different questions mm-hmm. that I have okay. uh, for you. The first question that I have is what was your very first car
1: my first car was a Pontiac hard top
0: mm-hmm.
1: with uh you know I was the first one they had with they didn't have the posts in the so mm-hmm. it looked like a hard top when you roll your windows down it mm-hmm. looked like a you know a convertible mm-hmm. but it was really a hard top okay and it was it's a cream color with uh, robin's egg blue top mm-hmm. but it was cream color on the body okay and 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 Robin said, "Blue leather seats." Okay, loved it.
0: What's uh, <laughs> what year did you get it?
1: Ponte in same probably the year after I married fifty-two. Okay, or three.
0: Okay. Do you remember? I always ask this but question. May
1: fifty-one, I we probably got the same year we married because it okay. was a choice between getting a house in Highland Park for twelve hundred dollars down or something, mm-hmm. and savings we had. We had a de- I didn't really want to get the car because we were living near Woodward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the best. I, but I'm so glad we didn't buy a house in Holland Park. We wouldn't have lasted very long yeah. <laughs> the way things went down there. Mm-hmm. So, no, we got the car first, and we were sharing a flat on Atkinson in 1974 after my mm-hmm. my first son was born from, yeah.
0: Do you remember the first place you drove when you got it?
1: Probably Bell Isle. That's where everybody would <laughs> go.
0: There you go. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good first destination. <laughs> yeah, it's a good first destination. And
1: I've been trying to find that car at every car, every little, the, the car uh, fairs that they have to so celebrate. I keep looking for that car. I have never. Some white guys told me, "Don Woodford, go in the corner thirteen mile. They have a lot of different cars buried in there. I just want to see that car one more time." Yeah, <laughs> oh, it was. A, and when my husband and I split. Mm-hmm. He, that was the idea, I would keep the car one more six months, and then saw, and I got an estimate on the price of the car, because I was going to use mm-hmm. this money to buy a house, hmm. and the house that I bought on Kindle. And he, um, but the price went down, you know, they don't tell wow. you if you hold on to the car another six months, the price is not going to be the right. same. I got hurt on that. You, you got
0: <laughs> You got that right, I got hurt that's on right. that when it, I forgot you lose that the, half his value model the model the, the, model, model, the, the
1: change- not only that the model changes you know mm-hmm. they they're pushing them out at one price just before mm-hmm. the new model comes in, and then they and then they don't if you have a trade in or whatever, but I wasn't on- i I was just trying to cash out, yeah, and the price dropped maybe almost a thousand dollars within that six months, so I, I was really something. mad at myself
0: so. So at this, uh, the next question is three songs. You are a DJ at the end of the Detroit fireworks and you get to play three songs. What three songs are you playing? At the end of what? The Detroit fireworks. Yeah. Woodward and Jefferson and you're the DJ. You get to play three songs. What three songs are you playing?
1: Laugh. I like a lot of songs. I just described one, two. Joyce coming over here. Okay. But it, it was by a star that used to play here in Detroit uh, that, that the Beatles made famous. Mm-hmm. Little Esther, you remember her? What was her last name? Esther Phillips, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, played, she sang a Beatles song called And I Love Him, I Think. Mm-hmm. She's got this whiskey-tone blues voice and he's got all these strings and some horns behind it singing Mm -hmm. that uh, and i love him from the beatles that was that song i well somebody stole my car once and i lost a a lot Mm -hmm. of tapes that was back Mm -hmm. in the tape day i love that song and i like and i like a lot of organ music too (laughs) <laughs> okay. That's why I go to the church I go to now we don't even have an organist. <laughs>
0: but yeah, and the church is the about to thing. split. Yeah. So back in the day. My, <laughs> yeah. my my grandma. Yeah, I love organ, organ music.
1: But I got I got my uh, favorite music in my car. I have some religious one because of that organ thing. Mm-hmm. And um I can't think of the name right now, but
0: So two other songs you just know it would be the organ in it. Yeah, I okay. love the organ.
1: And I also love. Uh, what's my key? The love, my favorite one, on the piano is uh, the one with the moonlight name. What is it?
0: Moonlight But but name.
1: but you use the French for it.
0: Ah, oh, see, I'm. I'm about You're not
1: okay, okay. okay see. My memory is not what it was. Your so I have is to. Amazing for you to uh, be yeah. able to pull this, I'm uh, this to much think. information. I can't
0: remember that name. Uh, so, and the last question. If you could rename Woodward after 1D Trader, who would it be and why? Woodward. I like Coleman Young. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Okay. That was our first black mayor, and, he'd also, and I remember the uh, communist hearings, and he was only one that fought back when he got to Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and uh, he, he was just ahead uh, of his time.
0: Mm. Okay
1: ahead of his time everybody else was cringing and when he went for the communist talks (laughs) he wasn't (laughs) Mm. okay so that might be Coleman Young
0: many people pick Coleman Young Mm -hmm. this was a fun interview thank you so much and I'm gonna definitely have to get you back to to fill out some of these other years okay that's a lot of uh, years (laughs) I know we we gotta talk the 70s you know were you Afro Annie in the 70s well, I guess I've been in the 60s.
1: Too. I was ascending my promotional thing in the, in the uh, in in the Department of Social Services, and I became maybe the first, the second black district manager in that oh. period of time. Yeah. The second so, district uh, manager. Yeah, second black one. Oh. I, I'm trying to think of who the first one was. Uh, Watts. Well, Watson. Did, did you remember? I'm trying to ask somebody off camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hmm. she was the first one. She was in Holland Park, I believe. Okay. But I'm trying, trying to think of her full name, and I can't.
0: And, and I will ask people this question, and I ask you this so, question. Do you run into any of the families that you that you were uh, working with in social work?
1: One of them especially. One that I didn't want to run. When I moved downtown, I was going over to the, uh, to, uh, the island, they had a senior center there in, mm-hmm. in the uh, in the casino building for lunch and exercise and things. Mm-hmm. So I'm in there one day, and who should march in? But a woman, I used to have to go to court, you know, and file on neglectful mm-hmm. parents. <laughs> and ne- they never moved those kids fast enough, and maybe it's a good thing, though. They had more time, even if the parents were neglectful, because foster care is not a wonderful thing either. I'm there, and this woman I had to... File in the court mm-hmm. as a worker to remove her Her 13. She had a 13-year-old who just ran away from her. She had two mixed-race children. She was a white woman.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the older girl ran away. So she learned how to get herself out of a, a bad situation. And mama just couldn't manage the home. It was a mess, and she lo- loved cats. You ever seen the house overrun by cats? Mm-hmm. And the odor and everything else, and those kids were in there at... The 11-year-old was still with her when I got the case. The 13-year-old was out. Somebody had told her about a shelter thing, and that's what brought it to the attention of the Department of Social Services. And I uh, had to, uh, I was screaming at the court about getting this last girl moved, half setting the court date earlier. And then one day I had a long talk with the 11-year-old and said to her, how can you stand this? How does this affect you? And she said, she told me how she had to pretend she was somewhere else when she came home, that it wasn't home. She had to fan, live in a fantasy kind of mm-hmm. world in her mind in, in order to tolerate this. And I couldn't speed the court up on getting her out of there. Mm-hmm. But the woman was very clever, very smart woman. Um, mm-hmm. She just couldn't manage two girls and mm-hmm. and her hang-ups with being a collector of junk like I am and her... Uh, and, and, uh, Things were so completely out of kilter, but that at the animal thing that all these cats were in there Mm -hmm. making all this unsafe place for them. Well, I never could get it rushed up in the courts, so that 13 year old was able to handle that. She, she, uh, how did she get that girl out of there? Some kind of way she got, she went and took the, took her sister out and ran away with her, and they mm-hmm. got back into the system where she had been in FOS. And I think it was a group girl's home. So they would ordinarily not take an 11-year-old, but this, this older girl did. Well, this mother was bright as heck. She knew how to work, run the, the social, so she knew all the rules, she knew everything. <laughs> I mm-hmm. meet her, she comes up to this dinner one day at the Senior Citizen Center, and I said, oh, my God, I, I think her first thing began with M. And I said, "There is such a god. She's definitely going to remember Mrs. Handley, the one that took her girls away <laughs> or whatever, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, I never thought I'd meet
0: <laughs> Run into her.
1: She's about town. You know, I, I mentioned somebody the other day. I hadn't seen her in a while. She used to come down to Harbor Town sometimes. Mm-hmm. She was a very neat, homeless-looking person. She was always clean as she could be. And she wasn't carrying a super trash. She had a little, a little, uh, probably just a little small thing with the handle mm-hmm. on it. She kept herself up wonderfully.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, she came twice while I was in that group. And I said, one day she's gonna get off, figure out who I am. But she, she does she didn't forget anybody. No, <laughs> it was just did. a matter of time.
0: Yeah. But, you know,
1: sometimes people after that happens, they will thank you because they were out of control back then. But I didn't want to hear from her because I knew what an actor yeah. she could be. Yeah. But she didn't go looking for trouble. She just knew all the rules. She had manipulated every agency in the city. She's yeah. just She's just a super smart
0: woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Miss Annie. Okay. Thank you, too. Detroit Is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit Is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com
3: today.